Thank you for joining us for our sixth and final episode of the series Disclosure Divorce in Texas. Uh, my name is Brandi Austin. I'm an attorney licensed and practicing in Arlington, Texas. I am a graduate of Baylor Law School and I focus on litigation, which just means I handle court cases. I go to court. One area of law that we practice and generally requires court appearances is family law. We get dozens of consultations monthly, and after years of practicing, I know there is so much misinformation out there regarding divorce in Texas. I wanted to do a podcast to talk about some of those misconceptions and clear up some of the facts as we see it regarding different types of divorce in Texas and uh, children's issues in Texas. Uh, With me, I have our dedicated family law attorney, Larry Mike. Hi, everyone. My name is Larry Mike. I'm an attorney licensed and practicing in Arlington, Texas as well. I'm with the Brandy Austin Law Firm. I graduated from Texas Wesleyan University School of Law, which many of you now know as Texas A&M School of Law. My entire practice is dedicated to family law and helping families through the difficult times and sometimes the happy times. I've worked in several areas of law, but family law seems to fit me like a glove. It keeps me on my toes, emotionally engaged, and it makes me want to share what I know with you guys and help get people on the right path. Our philosophy here is really to give families the information they need, answer any questions, and let them make the best decisions for them and support them in any way that we can. At the end of the day, we go home to our lives and clients go home to theirs. They have to live with the decisions that they make, not us as attorneys. So we want our clients to make the best decisions for themselves. So let's just jump right into it. You need to know your former spouse will be a part of your life. Yes. And that means pretty much forever. You've had children with this person, um, so you're going to have to live with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And this is going to come up a lot of different ways when it relates to court cases or the legal field. So they're always going to be there. I mean, you're going to have graduations and birthdays and weddings and broken bones, all mm. the things that go with children and and childhood, and you're going to have to navigate that you know, personally on your own. Legally speaking, we see couples or one party come back for a variety of reasons, and we're going to talk about three of those today. One is post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids. Um, then we have modification of children's issues and enforcement of the decree. That means if someone is not doing what they're supposed to do, which does happen, but by and large, and correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, but by and large, modification of children's issues is the area that we handle uh, the most after a decree is complete. That's correct, yeah. People come in because people change, children change, needs change, so modification of child issues is, is by and large the, the biggest after a divorce decree is completed. People don't often contemplate uh, what their life is going to look like five years from now, and that's, uh, you know, what are they going to get remarried? What is that going to look like? Do they want to move, or are they going to be able to move? When the children grow up, if they maybe need specialized uh, health care, or right. get old, you know, as I guess, grow up, children get older, they'll need specialized health care, maybe they need special education, maybe they excel and they need to go to MIT at 14, right? <laughs> yeah. I haven't had that, but I would really like to yeah, see I that. I would like to see an issue like that. Okay, so let's just jump right in to post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids. Unrelated to kids. So when we talk about post-divorce dec- decree changes, talking about certain things where, let's say, Uh, for instance, undivided property. So you have a decree that was laid out, things were to uh, get divided up, but then lo and behold, 
there's some property out there that's still in both people's names that, that wasn't divided up mm -hmm. properly throughout the decree. So you've got about two years to, to file for that to make sure that that, get, that gets divided up pro properly. A lot of times you see this in instances where you have the pro se litigants mm. or the people who represent themselves in court. Man, they try to fill out that paperwork because there's a form that you can download uh, off the internet yeah. for Texas and you can just check boxes. Yes. Let me tell you about those boxes. <laughs> if you end up back here and you could possibly lose a lot of money as a result. Definitely. And, and you know, I've seen people where they've checked boxes that shouldn't have been checked. Off. I don't even know how it gets passed. Yeah, it happens. So, and that's why we tell people, I mean, look, I, I know that sometimes a divorce can be expensive, mm -hmm. but especially if, if you and your soon to be former spouse are actually amicable, then it makes sense to come to an attorney or have an attorney look over the paperwork or draft the paperwork for you to, to let you know exactly here are the things that need to be done so you don't have to come back and spend more money. It is so much cheaper just to have attorneys draft the paperwork than do a, a full divorce. Yes. And it can be done and completed quickly and easily and correctly so right. that you won't have to go back and get something changed again. Yeah, that is that is true. So. Um, yeah, just just make sure if, if you've got any property issues, if you've got any children issues, uh, and, and you think that things are going to be uncontested, always look to uh, call an attorney. If you're in the Arlington, Dallas, Fort Worth area, give hey. us a call. Yes. Brandy Austin Law Firm, 817-841-9906. <laughs> give us a call, and, and we, can, we can work that out. Um, another thing about post-divorce decree changes, uh, you're talking about when, when someone gets divorced and let's say they die, and they didn't change their will. Mm. Here's the thing about that. Basically what happens when you divorce and you have that divorce decree, if you still have your former spouse in your will, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically once you divorce, it's almost like that person has already died before yes, you. exactly like that. So, like I think it says that in the case law. <laughs> <laughs> Great job on remembering job. law school. <laughs> so, you know, some people just don't change their will. But wills, we do those too. We do. And people, after you get divorced, you should update your wills. You yes. should, if you have a trust, you should update these things because they cause issues. They do. And, you know, it's a simple fix sometimes. Just get an amendment to your current will or change the will in total, but just do something. It's a simple fix that will avoid this in the future. Definitely. Definitely. Another thing that we see is, is uh, clarification. Clarification. <laughs> Clarifications is basically you're making something more specific. Uh, as, as much as we try to hear, we, we draft our decrees, uh, I, I tell clients that I try to put things in there to, to help them for the future, right? for potential changes, and to make things very specific so that when someone reads it, when the average person who does not lo know law reads it, mm -hmm. they can understand it. Well, because they're the one that's going to have to read it and follow it. Exactly. There's not going to be a lawyer sitting with you on your couch when you're at home saying, okay, it is 6 p.m., this is what you must do. Yes. <laughs> so we put that stuff in a decree so that you can read it, and it says it's 6 p.m. on Friday. Right. I need to do this. Now, there are some, There are some. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot, and it's unfortunate. It, maybe I'm just biased with Texas stuff. Uh, you know, Texas decrees are very specific, and, and you can just read it and understand mm -hmm. it, whereas there are some states where you read it and you're like, what is going on? Mm. Like, who wrote this? I'm not going to call any states out, but 
Rhode you know. Island. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I have no idea. I've never seen a Rhode Island degree. <laughs> Mostly towards the West. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not very specific. So when someone goes into court and they say, hey, such and such is not honoring this decree, then you look at it and you're like, oh, what are they supposed to honor? Mm-hmm. If there's issues where it's too general or it's too convoluted, you can bring that into court and get that clarified, make it more specific so everyone can understand. Right. And we always try to make sure that everything is specifically stated, but sometimes you just can't foresee what needs to be clarified. It may seem clear at the time, and then some person changed their mind and said, oh, that's not what I meant by that line. Mm-hmm. And so then you have two people who just are, are fighting over what exactly one line of a decree means. Or, you know, you see this in contract litigation as, as well, like a comma should be here or there. You know, the Oxford comma, <laughs> which is my favorite. But so, like, you have, you know, bananas, apples and oranges, or bananas, apples, and oranges. So there are two different things, and people can fight about those. And sometimes yeah. you can't foresee that that's going to happen because maybe you guys are agreeing when you complete it, but it, it does come up. It does come up, yeah. All right, so reduction of money judgment. Why on earth would you want to do that? Things change. We've, we've stated Absolutely. things change. At the time someone gets a divorce, the other person who is supposed to pay a certain amount of monies to the former spouse, they may have an excellent job, excellent benefits. Five years later down the road where they're still paying this money judgment, they may lose their job. Mm-hmm. They may end up getting cancer or some, some deathly ill disease where they're unable to, to pay that money judgment. So with that said, you know, the parties may be able to come in and, and reduce that money judgment. Um, from what it was originally awarded in the decree. Right. Illnesses or pretty much anything. And if the spouse's ex, I guess at this point, ex or former spouse, right. spouses, get along, then you know, they may work something out. They may say, you know, I, I see that you're struggling. Let's just go ahead and reduce it. If you decide to do that outside of the legal system, it, it's not really valid yet. You have to have an order. You know, it's simple to draft an order. Attorneys draft them all the time. But um, it's important to do that, even if you're going to agree to reduce the money judgment, at least if you're the party that doesn't have to pay as much. Otherwise, you can be in contempt, which we will get to later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so delivery of property in decrees. We always say, I'm going to exchange this property on this day, and at that same time, this person is going to give me this property on that day. And it could be personal things. It could be, you know, like a TV, or it could be a security box key, um, or you know, 100 different things, right? Yeah, it could be. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen, you know, and in, in, in the decrees that, that we tend to write up, we make it where this property has to be picked up or delivered by this certain day and time. Mm-hmm. And I also put additional things in there where if it's not picked up, then it's forfeited. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, so Stop I... Stop giving away your secrets. <laughs> well, those are things I do I know that there are attorneys that are going to listen to this and are going to be like, you know what, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I try to take care of my clients. That's why they, they mm-hmm. come and they, they refer people. So, and retain. And retain, yes. But there are some times where it, it may not be feasible to deliver that property anymore. Or, you know, something, it's, it's just not, at, it was feasible at the time, but now it's no longer feasible. So, in turn, people may go back and say, hey, instead of the property, 
I want a money judgment. So like if a tornado yeah. destroys the property, it's not feasible to return it. Exactly. So. But, and a lot of people don't always put dates and times in their decrees. And no. so then you have an open-ended time um, that you're supposed to change or exchange property. And that just doesn't happen because how are you going to enforce it? There's no time. You say, exactly. I'm going to get to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to uh, request that the court allow a modification of the final decree. Last, let's, uh, on this segment one, uh, post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids, qualified domestic relations order amendments. Okay. Go. So we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about quadros. Super fun. Woo, quadro. Yeah. Oh, I hate quadros. Nobody likes quadros except for the people that sit at home and draft them. Yes, yes. So, you know, they, these are things where someone has like IRAs, 401ks, you know, the, the defined contribution plans and the um, defined benefit plans. Uh, it's just the money stuff, the saving up things. So with the quadros, it could be wrong account information, all sorts of stuff, right? All sorts of things, yes, that, that need to be amended. Um, or you may have drafted up this quadro that you think is really good, and then you send it off to the, uh, the account people. And some of them are very strict on, on their requirements. Right. Uh, you know, whether you're dealing with the um, thrift savings plan with the federal government or Fidelity or whoever it is, they have certain things that they want in there. And if it's not in there, they're not going to get, accept that. So they're going to so. reject it, and you're not going to get any money, and it's not going to be done. Yes. And so it's important to have somebody who knows what they're doing. Exactly. So we don't always draft the actual quadro here. Uh, we direct its drafting. Uh, and we usually outsource those because they're yes. very specialized and it's quicker, easier, and cheaper to have someone who does them on a day-to-day -day basis who already has all the information, just copy and paste what they need to, enter the right information, and bam, done. Exactly. All right, so that kind of covers like a quick overview of post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids. So um, let's move on to the big kahuna right the yes. big kahuna modification of children issues possession and access number one well child support number one possession and access they usually go hand in hand they do uh, somebody is not going to say can i get my child support adjusted and then not say hey about that possession and access usually they want to look good for the judge we see this so many times someone will file possession and access changes just to get the child support modified that usually yes. happens if they want a 50-50 modification or a change of the primary person. Let's talk a little bit about changes uh, for possession and access. Yeah, so change of possession and access. I mean, there. normally you'll see this a few years down the road or, or when major changes have happened. Um, or if something substantial or material, some, some type of change or, or some harm has come to the ch children. Uh, Anything short of, let's say you, you got a divorce in, in January of 2017, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, February 2017, there's a modification. There needs to be something that has happened for the judge to say, okay, we're going to look at this and reopen the case. Right. If it's just because, uh, I just want a little bit more time. Now, what is that term called? Central material change? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, I, I, I'm going to give away a secret. Wait, Just wait, 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 wait. Does this secret cost money? No, it doesn't. Okay, all right. No, no, it doesn't. I'm kidding. It, yeah. <laughs> if you just want a little bit more time, that's not a substantial material change. It has to be something substantial. Abuse. Yeah, abuse. 
you, the child ended up eating marijuana off the floor and getting high. You I know? think that's still abuse. Yeah, yeah, that's still forms of abuse. <laughs> yeah, abuse, or what if the you know if a parent uh, is leaving and is like, well, I'm going to take them, and maybe they're not listening to the the geographical restriction, and you're like, well, let me just file something. Yes, you know, trying to keep them keep them where they need to be to or file the order. Or they get kicked out of school. They kicked out of school, or many many know, things required. So many things, but it has to be material and substantial. Definitely, and that doesn't just happen within a year of getting the actual decree. It's within a year of any modification. Yes. So if you modify, you know, a year or three years after the first decree, or the only decree, hopefully, right. um, then you have to wait a whole another year to modify without that material and substantial. Yes. And quite honestly, I think, uh, personally, a year is not a long time. Cases take a year or more, you know, to modify to begin with, and then you, know, you could do it every year. You could literally spend a couple yeah, of decades. you could, and <laughs> like, then you're spending a whole lot of money, and then your kids are constantly being dragged back and forth to court. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to possession and access, you know, a lot of times when people go to, to change it, there may be an instance where someone was was get you know they the court ordered a uh, standard possession first mm -hmm. third and fifth just standard standard right but then during the course of the parents working and co-parenting one person is now instead of getting a standard you know they may be getting a full week mm -hmm. they may have went they may 50, have evolved 50. to a 50 50. Mm -hmm. so that person is getting a 50 50 and still paying still paying they may say listen I am sharing the equal amount of parenting time. I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm taking them to school, doing mm -hmm. all of this. Uh, and it's very hard for them because they're paying those finances that should be going to the, to the children or mm -hmm. going to the, you know, to the other parents. So they may want to go into court and, and change that to get that fixed. They should go into court. And it should mm -hmm. be amicable because it does take two parents. Um, let, me, let me back up. It doesn't take two parents, but it's beneficial to have two parents. Yes. And it so is. if one parent is helping the other parent, that is excellent co-parenting. Yes. Like you should get a party. I Come here. I will get you a cake. I will. We love cake. We love cake. Um, but, you know, just you could do that in an agreeable sort of way. It doesn't yeah. have to be a contested modification just to amend possession and access. You could guys come in together and say, hey, can you help us draft this paperwork? Exactly. We would yeah. be happy to help you. Um, do so possession and access is, is a big deal. It is definitely because you know it's it's talking about the physical possession of the children, and uh, you're you're actively there. So, um, getting that change amicably is the is the greatest thing. All right, on to the very biggest issue: mm. child support. Child support. And child support, <sighs> it's set by the state. Let's start there. I, yeah. We've talked about it before. It's set by the state. However, things change. Things change. New kids come along. Oh, yeah, that changes the chart. Yeah, that changes the chart. You know, you got a new baby that, that's come along in your life. Hey, that changes, you know, how much how much income you have to be able to disperse to take care of your, your children. Um, if you're getting the child more, then you are actually providing not only physical presence, but you're providing financially for that child that's in your care. Um, but child support is, is by and far another huge thing that people go to modify. Uh, and it's just based on what happens. If you get a divorce and you have this good job, like we talked about having a good job before, 
and your monthly payment is based on how much income you're bringing from that job, if you lose your job, you know, you get fired, terminated, you, you become disabled, well, you're not bringing in the same amount. Right. So until you get that modification, you are still responsible to pay that same amount until it's modified. Even if you don't, if you don't have a check coming in, you yeah. have to write a check. Yes. I don't know where you're going to get the money, but until you request that the court change the amount, you are responsible. And if you don't pay it, you could go to jail. Yeah. You get your exactly. license taken away, all sorts of stuff. So you must, absolutely must, modify the child support if your circumstances have changed. Definitely. Um, and that includes other kids. That includes all sorts of things. Um, and we can help you kind of walk through that. Um, if you have questions, we can answer those questions. It really is uh, person by person. It's based on number of kids that you have. It's based on your income, whether you decide to quit your job and become an entrepreneur. It's going to change how much you owe. That doesn't necessarily mean that you won't have to pay if you don't yeah. have an actual job because there is this thing called underemployment. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so it's basically someone who um, has a potential to make a certain amount of money and they decide, mm, no, I'm just going to work this much so that they can avoid paying how much they're supposed to pay towards child support. Are you saying that if I get divorced, I can't go to the Virgin Islands and just hang out? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got money like that, I guess you could. <laughs> no, I'm going to work at the bar as a therapist slash bartender. Yeah. Right? No, 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 no. I'm going to sell T-shirts. I'm kidding. Seashells, <laughs> seashells. No one wears T-shirts in yeah. the Bahamas. Seashells. Seashells pay pretty good. Yeah, you know, so if, if you've got that, that ability and someone is saying, hey, you are just intentionally being underemployed, you probably won't get a reduction. They may still make you pay that same amount. And that doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't mean that uh, you know the court's going to say, well, you have this degree, so you should be able to. Some people with degrees cannot practice. If you yeah. lose your license or anything like that, then you're not able to hold the same type of job. Yeah. So that's a change. Yeah, definitely. And, and the facts, the facts will, the evidence that comes out will be able to determine what has happened. But if the facts come out where you're just like, I just don't feel like doing that anymore. I'm going to just sit over here and hang out. Sell seashells, snorkel. Okay. All right. So another area, people don't really consider it when they're going through their decree. We always try to talk about it. We, we do. Um, it's changes in the rights and duties of the parents. We talk about it every single time, but until they're actually in it, they don't understand its importance. Very important. Yes. Very important. And your rights and duties, you know, we talk about conservatorship aspects of, you know, the joint managing conservators, sole managing conservators, and even the possessory conservators. Everyone has a right and duty when it comes to, to your children. A lot of people really don't spend a lot of time understanding what your rights and duties are until something happens. Mm -hmm. uh, we see a lot of things concerning education, medical, if the children need therapy. Uh, those things right there, people need to understand that what you have set aside for when you guys got divorced may change five years down the road. So let's say, for instance, education is, is a big one that tends to come up. At the time you get divorced, you know, you may have been making very good money and, and one person's like, yeah, the kids are going to stay in private school. Mm -hmm. Five years down the line, money's no longer good, can't afford private school, so the kids have to go to public school and the parents, they disagree on which public school to go to. Oof, big one. Uh, yeah, that is a big one. So um, 
sometimes if, if it doesn't say exactly who has that primary right to designate the education, uh, educational requirements of the children, you may have to go back and get that modified for someone to have to say so. And the other big area is um, medical. And so I'm just going to throw a term out there without judgment or um, any inclination whatsoever. And you can talk about the sides. Vaccines. Oh. <laughs> vaccines. Uh, so when it comes to vaccines, you have some people who truly believe in vaccines and, and all the vaccinations. Then you have those who are like, some of them we really don't need them and, and there, there are some people who are like no vaccines my body is yeah. a temple which is fine yeah some are like that yeah but you have to be on the same page definitely have to be on the same page and that falls under under medical if if one parent is saying hey need to take the kids to go get all their shots and one parent's like nope not gonna happen you don't have anyone to overrule that mm -hmm. you know Two, if you've got two and one on the side, there's no one to overrule. You need to have something in the court order that says who has the primary right. Sometimes you see it's like after meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. But after that, someone has to be able to say this is what's going to happen. Right. And, and so the court can help enforce that. Again, we try to put all of this stuff or talk about all of this stuff ahead of time. Right. But these are smaller issues in the original divorce, generally, unless yeah. they're the cause of the divorce. Um, and so people don't really understand their importance. Okay, harm or danger uh, to the child. This is material and substantial. CPS may be involved. You immediately file for a modification and take the child and protect the child because you are the parent, right? Yes. I mean, definitely. Anytime, and, and I don't think this is giving away a secret, if you have children and CPS becomes involved and, and they're coming after you as the parent, call us. Absolutely call us dealing with cps and you're dealing with the state you're talking about your rights you start talking about the state coming in and you need experienced attorneys who are there to help you out if any point you have a reasonable belief that a child is being abused you should report it and you are protected from the state well you're protected and we can help protect you under statute so don't let people intimidate you always report and then come to us and we can attempt uh, to gather all the information we need and civilly take the children and protect them. Another thing that I see, and I think the last thing we're gonna talk about in this section on modification of children's issues is a geographical restriction. Mm -hmm. And this comes in when people can't foresee themselves remarrying by chance or getting a different job or considering a different state or a county or even a town modification of a geographical restriction some counties allow it some do not yeah some counties are harder than others right for instance in tarrant county it is very hard to get that restriction lifted mm -hmm. without the parties agreeing mm -hmm. now if let's say you guys you know you you got divorced in texas let's say you got divorced in tarrant county texas mm -hmm. and whoever was not the primary of the children uh, they moved out of texas right you don't gotta worry it's right. It, it <laughs> automatically changes to the over 100 miles. Yeah. So, so you know, there's nothing that is going to keep you uh, situated in, in the county. Now, the geographic restriction people think, or moms and dads think, hey, that applies that I can't leave. No, that's not it. Your kids can't leave that area. Mm -hmm. So you can leave, 
But what's probably going to happen is if you want to leave and you can't get that lifted, the kids are going to go with the other parent and they're in turn going to be primary. So it just all depends. I mean, the biggest thing about a geographic restriction, what I would tell people to do, come in, talk to the attorneys, uh, and then we can try to formulate a game plan or formulate a way to where both you and your former spouse can talk together and see if you guys can agree. Absolutely. And just as a side note, in Johnson County, it never happens. They're never going to lift the geographical restriction unless one parent just absolutely isn't involved. That's it. I'm just saying. Going to warn you now. We'll do it for you. We'll try. Yeah. This is probably not going to work. Okay. So let's talk about the last area. We talked about post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids. We've talked about modification of children's issues. Now let's talk about enforcing your decree. This means someone is not doing what they're supposed to do. You're already divorced. So what do you do? File so, a motion to enforce contempt. Yes. And... And you know, this is a very technical process, meaning, you know, in, and, and I'll say, you know, Tarrant County is a very technical county when it comes to enforcing the decree. Yeah. There are other counties that it, it seems to be a little bit easier, but when it comes in Tarrant County, you need to make sure that you have the right language, the language that you put in that motion for enforcement tracks with the language that's in the decree. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about enforcing child support, access and possession, uh, you know, parties exercising rights that they shouldn't, you need to make sure that that language is tracked perfectly. And I say that because for people who are thinking, oh, I can just do it myself. No. If you don't do it right, it's not going to happen. So definitely, if you're thinking about enforcing a decree, come and speak with attorneys. One of the great things about enforcements is if you're successful with an enforcement and you have an attorney, you pay your attorney's fees to your attorney first, but we'll get awarded attorney's fees from the other party. Which means you get your money back. Yes. And we do that quite frequently. Almost every yeah. time I think you can get your money back for an enforcement. Yes. Uh, whether so. you can actually collect on it, it's a different story. Yeah. Depends. Depends on what you're asking for. Um, but I, I do want to back up and say that one of the reasons why it's such a technical area is because it can strip away someone's right mm. to freedom, which means you can be put in jail oh, I didn't even cover that. Yeah. for contempt, right? Yeah. And so if you're possibly going to put someone in jail, you have to track the language exactly because this person will not be able to go home at the end of the night because of something mm -hmm. they didn't do, and you have to show the court that the court ordered them to do it, they were required to do it, and they didn't do it. Yeah. And then, you know, along with that, like, um, you've got the jail time, you've got other fees outside of paying back attorney's fees. If, if there comes an instance where you're going in and saying, hey, judge, I'm supposed to get the, the children on this day from this time to this time, and I tried to go pick up the children, and the other party wouldn't let me have the children with this many violations. Mm -hmm. You can also say, hey, since I miss these times, I want makeup time as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it just, it just all depends on, on, on what's going to happen with that. As far as child support, we see a lot, of, a lot of child support cases where people have not paid, and those are relatively easy to show whether or not they paid. Because mm -hmm. many cases, and there are just a few who decide that they're going to pay the child support payments directly to the other party. But many of the cases, the monies go through the uh, state disbursement unit. Right. So the AG has the ability to print out 
a full list of what's been paid, when it's been paid, and how much has been paid. Mm -hmm. And then we can use that with the enforcement for child support. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to possession access, sometimes we have potential clients and clients come in and they say, hey, I was supposed to get the kids uh, for Christmas and he or she wouldn't let me get the kids. So I asked them like, okay, uh, what time did you go over there to pick up kids? Oh yeah, I, I didn't go. They just sent me a text that I wasn't gonna get the kids. Just go. Just That's go. not enforceable, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to make that attempt. You need to go there at the time be there and I'm not giving away this secret because I want people to have the All evidence these secrets you're giving well, away <laughs> well I want them to come in and have the evidence especially for an enforcement mm -hmm. so that we can do it so if you're doing something with possession and access and you're not getting the kids don't just sit on your hands follow your decree if your decree says to be there at 6 p.m. on Friday be outside that house at 6 p.m. on Friday ready to pick up your kids text that person at their number, say, I'm here to pick up the kids. Go up to the door, knock on the door, have a video recorder to show you're there. And if they say, nope, you're not getting the kids, great. Go down the street to a gas station, buy a piece of gum, whatever, get that receipt, keep that receipt, call the police, make a police report. Mm -hmm. They're probably not going to do anything because they're going to say, oh, it's a civil matter, but have that report number. Do that every single time so that you build up the evidence. So when you come Man, to us- Man, that'd be so easy. Yes, right? That'd be so, so easy. <laughs> so these are good secrets. Yeah. When you come to us, you're like, look, I'm supposed to get the kids, but she, he or she isn't giving me the kids. And they're like, okay, well, what do you have? Boom, you got a whole case file. Every day that you've gone there with all the evidence and we're like, hey, <laughs> we Great can help job. you out. We can get you a cake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can get you a cake. <laughs> Uh, so, so three times. We'd like to see three times yes. of violations of the decree, ch uh, child support, possession and access. And there's also a couple of other um, issues that we deal with on occasion. Not turning over property, we talked a little bit about already. Yeah. Um, that, that's pretty simple. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do and there wasn't a reason that they couldn't do it, then we just file an enforcement. Yes. That's pretty simple because if you don't have the property, you don't have the property, right? Yeah. The other one is a little squishier, exercising rights related to kids, um, you know, school and medical stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, with, with those, if, if, you know, people are, are, are doing that and they're not granted it, yeah, we can go in there and, and, and do some things. I don't know, maybe it's just, just me, but if, if uh, someone comes in and they say, hey, you know, the mom or dad doesn't have the right to do this, but they're doing it. But what, you know, so what are they doing? They're taking the, the children to these medical appointments. But is it benefiting the kids? Mm. Like, if, if they're doing something that is harmful to the kids, yes, come in and tell us. But if they're taking care of the kids and they're alleviating some of the burden off of you. Or maybe they're saying you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You know? Could so. be a problem. So... Yeah. All right. So the, the top four things that we see when you enforce a decree, not paying child support, not following possession and access schedule, um, exercising rights related to kids that you're not granted, and not turning over property or removing names from things that you shouldn't remove names from, whatever right. is in the decree. So we've talked a little bit about, I guess we talked a lot about post-divorce decree changes unrelated to kids, modification of children's issues, and enforcement of your decree. Yes. All of which remind you and everyone else that you need to know your former spouse will be a part of your life. Oh, yeah. Forever. Dun, dun, dun.
Yep, it's important to know that. You married them, you had children with them, you're stuck with them. So. Learn to love them again <laughs> in a new way, in a new healthy co-parenting way. Yeah. All right. We do have a list of resources uh, for you to visit regarding this podcast, and you can find them on our website under the media tab. Uh, please feel free to call us anytime at 817-841-9906 and look us up on Facebook under Brandy Austin Law Firm or reach us online uh, www.brandyaustinlaw.com. That's brandy like the wine, Austin like the city, and law as in what we do. Now, Larry, are you required to hire an attorney? No, you're not required to hire an attorney. In fact, you can represent yourself and be your own attorney. However, you must know that if you don't know the law, you're ex you will be expected to follow the same court procedures, file the appropriate pleadings, and present your own case. And if you don't know what you're doing, you just might fail. You lose. Mm -hmm. All right. You have listened, and we thank you so much. You have listened to the entire podcast of Brandy Austin Law Firm's Disclosure, Divorce in Texas podcast mini-series. Uh, I want you to know that we want to provide you with remarkable representation, and you can reach out to us at any time at any of our contact information. Presumably, if you are listening to this podcast, you know exactly where to find us. And thank you so much for joining us for this first, first podcast series. I won't speak for Larry, but I know I've had a great time sharing some information about divorce. Larry? Yes, I enjoyed it, and i um, so sad that it's coming to an end. It seems like it's been a while since we've done this. But we have so many ideas coming so many. up yes some good stuff coming so uh this is only the beginning it is let us know what you think we have a lot of topics like you said but we want to hear from you what do you want to know what can what information can we give you to make your life easier we have personal injury estate planning probate bankruptcy all of those things you can see a little bit of what we do a little bit more of what we do i guess on our website um, and now for the legal part, I must give a disclaimer. The information in this podcast and or video referred to as media is provided for general informational purposes only and may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. No information contained in this media should be construed as legal advice from Brandy Austin Law Firm, Brandy Austin, or Larry Mike, nor is it intended to be a substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter. No viewer or listener of this media should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information including in or accessible through this media without seeking the appropriate legal or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances at issue from a lawyer licensed in the recipient state, country, or other appropriate licensing jurisdiction. I'm Brandy Austin. And I'm Larry Mike. We're providing remarkable representation in the area of family law. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you listen to our next podcast.